Good morning. Our Bible reading today is from Hebrews. We're going to be reading chapter 9, verse 23, through to chapter 10, verse 18, if you'd like to follow along with me. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. I should probably have mentioned earlier, for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Chris Cullen. 
It's my privilege to serve as one of the pastors here at Windsor District Baptist Church and to be bringing us um, the message from God's Word today. Are there any Apple fans out there? I'm not talking Fuji apples or, you know, (laughs) golden delicious. I'm talking Apple Macs, iPads, iPhones. Now, come on. I am an Apple fan. Are there any Apple fans? Okay. Keep your hand up if you're a true Apple fan and you've ever watched an Apple event live. There's a couple. Excellent. Yes. Um, There was one this week, actually, at 5am. Often they're at 3am, so that takes real commitment. But um, the one at 5am this week was a bit of a letdown, I thought, because the two main products that they sort of announced that were the big special ones... They'd been leaked in the 48 hours beforehand. Some of the Apple websites had already had them. I remember back in the day when Steve Jobs was still alive and and he was the CEO of Apple and there would be a real buzz about these events. And you'd get on and, you know, there was always rumours about things that might be released and and sometimes some of the things that were released were similar to the rumours but... Steve would always get to this point in his keynote address and it was usually near the end where he'd say, there's just one more thing. That became a real famous phrase and as soon as it came up on the screen, the people in the auditorium would be clapping and cheering because that one more thing was always something really special. It was always something that no one had any idea that Apple had been working on and it was a real climax to that event. Now our passage today is a bit like that. We've been looking at uh, Hebrews and as we come to this section that uh, we're in today, it's the third part in what Gareth Cockrell calls a three-part symphony to the priestly ministry of Jesus with each part sounding notes on the following themes. And, And today we're looking at chapter 9 verse 23 to chapter 10 verse 18 which is the third movement in this symphony to the priestly ministry of Jesus. It's the crescendo. It's the the moment when all of the other things that have been talked about in the previous chapters come together to this real climax as we celebrate and understand that what Jesus has done for us is that he is... He's our... Um, Now I'm just trying to get the wording right. I've I've skipped ahead a few slides. He's our sanctifying benefactor. They were Jonathan's words and I was trying to come up with something that was more me but I couldn't find anything that was better, that said it better than that. Jesus is our sanctifying benefactor. Let me just remind you where we've been. On the 20th of February we talked about Jesus, our covenant mediator. And Hebrews 8, 1 to 13 calls us to consider two reasons why the high priesthood of Jesus is better. Because Jesus serves as a better minister and he mediates a better covenant. And then on the 27th of February, we talked about Jesus, our perfect sacrifice, where we compared the temporary sanctuary and the temporary sacrifice that took place through the law year by year, and we compared that with Jesus' perfect sacrifice 
which is our perfect redemption. Last week we took a little detour. It seemed appropriate in the circumstances and we were reminded that we're in a spiritual war zone that Satan rages against the church but that the church will triumph by the blood of the Lamb, by the finished work of Jesus. And that's really appropriate to where we come to today as we consider Jesus our sanctifying benefactor. The big idea of this passage is that by one offering, Jesus completes his work for our sanctification. By one offering. Jesus has finished his work. It's completed. It's done. And the benefit for us is our sanctification. I really liked what F.F. Bruce says about this passage. He says, The things in heaven represent realities which have a present existence for Christians through Christ. And you know, there's been this real sense as we've been looking through the book of Hebrews of, of looking back at the Old Testament, at the sacrificial system, and comparing that with what Jesus has done. And there's been a, a comparison between what takes place here in the earthly and what takes place in heaven. And there's been a comparison between the blood of bulls and goats and calves and the blood of Jesus. And there's been a comparison between the old covenant and the new covenant. And as we step into this, we're going to see in our outline that we have these coming through in verses 23 to 28 of chapter 9 we look at when and where does Jesus make his offering and then in verses 1 to 4 of chapter 10 why other offerings are insufficient and then in verses 5 to 18 we consider the finality of the offering of Jesus and the big question that I want us to grapple with today is this. If Jesus has done it all, what do I do? It's a really important question for us. If Jesus has done it all, what do I do? Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm not suggesting in any way that we can do anything for our own redemption. <laughs> Jesus has done it all. <laughs> but how should we live might be another way of putting it. If Jesus has done it all, how should I live? How should you live? Let's pray. Lord God, we ask as we come to your word that we will hear the voice of your Holy Spirit testifying to us that we will have the assurance of knowing that we are yours through the finished work of Jesus and that we might go forward into this week emboldened to live for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at chapter 9, verses 23 to 28, 
we have here um, a summary of what's gone before, and there's three sort of couplets, three pairs of two verses each. So we read in verses 23 and 24, thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Jesus has done his work and he's gone to heaven. And this is really a summary here of the work of Jesus. He's not made his sacrifice like the high priests from before in temples made by human hands. He's made his sacrifice, he's taken his offering to God himself. For Christ has entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. In the Old Testament, the priests entered year by year, once a year, the the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to offer that sacrifice to God and then would come out again. But Jesus has gone into the presence of God himself in heaven on our behalf. And he is there praying for us, interceding for us. He is there in God's presence on our behalf. The second couplet Verses 25 and 26, nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. When does Jesus make his offering? Well, he made his offering in human history 2,000 years ago. Once only. He doesn't have to go in repeatedly year after year. He made his offering once for all and it was acceptable in God's sight. So he was received into the presence of God to act on our behalf. It happened once and it doesn't have to happen again. Unlike the priestly sacrifices which needed to occur year after year and we'll talk about that a bit more when we come to chapter 10. He's appeared once for all to put away sin. We have a problem. As people, the problem that we have is the problem of sin. How are we to come before a holy God? How could we stand in his judgment when we consider our own lives? The sacrifice of Jesus once for all has put away sin. This is a recurring theme, the once for all sacrifice of Christ in this passage. When has Jesus appeared? Well, he's appeared once for all at the end of the ages. 
It's a funny thought, isn't it? When we look back 2,000 years and we say, that's the end of the ages. But it is the end of the ages because that moment in history when Jesus died and rose again, the whole of human history changed at that moment because our sin was paid for. As we'll see later on in, in chapter 10, Jesus is now waiting until all his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Human history has changed because no longer are we in that sacrificial system where we have to go to God and and hope that somehow our offering might be acceptable. The offering of Christ has put away sin. And we are now in the end of the ages. The third couplet. Verse 27 and 28. And just as it is appointed for man and woman to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Jesus appeared before the presence of God on our behalf. He appeared once for all at the end of the ages. And he will appear when he comes again. That's a great thing to look forward to. But there's a word of warning in here. Men and women, it's appointed for us that we will die once and then face judgment. Jesus died once, faced judgment and was found worthy. Amen. He was found worthy. That's why he is in the presence of God now. But when we die, will we be ready to face judgment? Thankfully, we have a high priest, Jesus, who intercedes on our behalf, who was offered, who offered himself as a sacrifice to bear our sins. And he will appear again. And when he appears again, it won't be at that point in time to deal with sin. That's already happened. He's already dealt with sin. When he comes again, it will be to save us who are eagerly awaiting him. To take us to be with himself. You looking forward to that day? When this earth will cease as as we know it. There'll be no more wars. There'll be no more floods. There'll be no more illness, sickness or disease. And Jesus will take his people to be with himself. But are you ready to face that judgment? When and where does Jesus make his offering? He makes his offering in the presence of God in heaven. He made it once for all time and he will appear a second time. 
In chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, we see why other offerings are insufficient. First of all, they're made in the wrong place. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. The sacrifices in the Old Testament, they were made in this copy, (laughs) as we saw in uh, two weeks ago when we were looking earlier in chapter 9. The the sacrifices were made in an earthly tent, which was a copy of the heavenly place. They they were made in a reality. Um, Think of it this way. Have you ever done something in virtual reality or you've maybe used a a flight simulator as a game on your computer or you've played a a racing simulator it's Chris Madigan here he's into the racing simulators Um, it's great you know I've driven the Nürburgring in Germany hundreds of times virtually but I've never driven it in real life. And when you do something virtually and then you do it in real life, it's not the same. (laughs) You discover that, oh, actually, this is not the same. Um, I've driven Bathurst lots of times, Mount Panorama, in virtual reality. When you drive it in real life, man, that steepness of that hill is unbelievable. You never get that sense when you do it in virtual reality. The sacrifices of the Old Testament, they were done, if you like, in virtual reality. But it's not the same as being done in reality that's one of the reasons why those offerings were insufficient they're not effective we read otherwise would they have not would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. These offerings were made year after year after year, but they weren't effective for dealing with sin. Every year, the offering had to be made again. If it had been effective for dealing with sin, it wouldn't needed to be offered again. And our consciousnesses, they would have been cleansed. The offerings of the old covenant were not effective. They didn't do their job properly. And the result of that, we read in verse 3, but in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. That's the result of a sacrifice which is not effective in actually taking away the guilt of our sin. 
it becomes a reminder to us of our sin. We're told in conclusion it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So the sacrifices of the old covenant, they weren't effective. They were insufficient for our need. And now we come to the pinnacle of this argument in verses 5 to 18. And here we have the finality of the offering of Jesus. I liked this summary by Westfall. It was God's will that Christ's sacrifice sanctify us. It's a tongue twister. Christ's sacrifice sanctify us. Jesus' sacrifice perfects the sanctified believers and sacrifices have been abolished. That's the breakdown of these verses here. And the first thing that we come to is the fact that Jesus himself is, is claiming here that sacrifices are not what God desired. You know, um, we, we have this sense, don't we, that the Old Testament system was the sacrificial system. But even in the Old Testament, it, there was an understanding that the sacrifices weren't adequate. Because you see, here we have a quote from Psalm 40. And in this quote, and the author of Hebrews puts the words of Psalm 40 into the mouth of Jesus, he says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. This is a quote from Psalm 40. (laughs) They already understood that sacrifices and offerings were not sufficient. You remember the the story where Saul has done the wrong thing and Samuel wasn't there and and Saul offers up sacrifices and, sorry about that, (laughs) Uh, Saul offers up sacrifices and, and Samuel says to him, sacrifices are not what God has desired. Jesus says, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. It's a quote from Psalm 40. What God really wants is for people to do his will. And what we have here in Jesus is someone who does God's will. In verse 8, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law, then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. Jesus comes to do God's will. He abolishes the sacrificial system by doing God's will. And what was God's will? Verse 10, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It was God's will 
that Jesus would offer himself once and that by that offering we would be made right with God. We would be sanctified. We would be consecrated. We would be made righteous in God's eyes. I love this quote from G.K. Beale and D.A. Carson. I don't have it on the screen, but I'll just read it for you. In his passion, Christ has submitted himself fully to the Father's will, offering himself perfectly as the new covenant sacrifice for sins. Hebrews emphasizes the path of obedience in suffering that the Son of God was called to work, called to walk, and his perfection. That is his completion of the task to which he was assigned. There's a past tense here in verse 10. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus died on the cross. He offered himself as a perfect offering for us and it was God's will that that perfect offering would be for the sanctification of our sins it's already taken place it doesn't have to happen again today we'll be celebrating communion When we celebrate communion, Jesus is not sacrificed again because he has been sacrificed once for all. When we celebrate communion, we remember that once for all sacrifice. It's God's will that we would be sanctified, that we would be made right through the offering of Jesus once for all. Then we have this little picture in verses 11 and 12. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ has offered, had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. I didn't pick this up the first few times I read this. We just think, well, it's talking about the priest going through his duties and it's talking about Christ and his offering. But there's, there's a word about each that signifies something pretty significant. The priest stands because he's going about his work. Jesus sits because he's completed his work. Have you ever had a a really long day at work? You've been really busy. You go, go, go. What do you do when you get home? You sit down on the lounge. It's good to be done, to be finished. Jesus sits in the presence of God. He sat down at the right hand of God because he had completed his work. He'd done it all. The sacrifice that Jesus offered himself is sufficient for our sin. 
It doesn't have to be offered again. He doesn't have to come down from heaven once a year and offer himself again. He's not offered again when we have communion. He did it once. And it was enough for us. It was enough to cover my sin and yours. This is the high point here. We can celebrate In a month's time, we'll be celebrating Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus. But what we really celebrate is the fact that the work of Jesus is finished. There is no more to do. And what's he doing as he sits at God's right hand? He's waiting from that time until his enemies have been made a footstool for his feet. Quote there from Psalm 110. Jesus is waiting until all his enemies are in subjection to him. Sometimes we might wonder about injustice in the world, about those who are oppressed. At times as we think about things like war, we, we are faced with that question. Why is it that the wicked seem to prosper? Or well, Jesus is waiting until they are placed under subjection to him. And they will be. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And if he is waiting, then we can wait too. Confident that at the judgment there will be justice. Confident that at the end of time all of God's enemies will be placed under subjection to Jesus. Verse 14, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. This is perhaps the the key verse of the passage It repeats what we've already talked about. By one offering, Jesus has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. In other words, the work is complete. You and I, we might not feel like the work is complete in us, do we? And this is about understanding that the the realities in heaven are for us now. Yes, we still struggle with sin. And there will be that ongoing struggle. But the work of Jesus has already sanctified us. I, I don't know about you, but so often in Christian um, sort of doctrine and stuff, we hear about justification being our legal standing before God and we, we know that our legal standing before God is right. And, and we hear that sanctification is about the working that God does to make us like Jesus, which will be complete on the day that he returns. And while that is true, 
it's helpful for us to understand that that sanctification which is taking place in the physical reality in time and space now, making us more like Jesus. In the heavenly realm, that is already complete. We are already sanctified in Christ. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time. He's completed for all time the sanctification for you and I. It's done. It's like we looked at last week with the, the situation with Satan at war with the church. He's at war with the church because the victory over Satan has already been won. And while we live in the temporal, in the day-to-day, in the physical world, we may not feel that we are sanctified. Because we still sin, we still struggle, we're still going through that process. But don't give up. Don't lose heart because the process that God is taking us through in the heavenly realm is already complete. Jesus has already sanctified us by his offering once for all time. Amen? Yeah? Is that good? Verses 15 to 18, the Holy Spirit bears witness to us. We're told that the Holy Spirit comes into us as Christians when we believe, and he bears witness to us of these things. Are you struggling with assurance? Do you wonder sometimes, am I really saved or not? This is the covenant that God says he will make with us. He will put his laws on our hearts and write them on our minds. You know, if you struggle with sin, it's because in your mind and on your heart, you've got God's law there. And you know that what you're doing is wrong. If you didn't have God's law in your mind and on your heart, you wouldn't struggle. You just do whatever you want. So I want to encourage you, if you struggle with sin, that is actually part of God using your own willfulness to say to you, what's on your heart? Do you know that that's wrong? Be encouraged that God's placed his law on your heart because that is the spirit testifying to you that the work has already been done in Jesus, that you are in that process of sanctification. The journey has started and you are on the path. That journey will be complete. And don't forget, verses 17 and 18, he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. For where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. In other words, 
Jesus doesn't need to make an offering for sin when the sin's already been forgiven. He's already made that offering. Another commentary, Alan says, In Christ, shadow has given way to substance. The temporary has been replaced with the eternal. The imperfect has become perfect. Judgment has become mercy. And law has become grace. What's our application? Well, there's quite a few things and I'll just go through them quickly. Are you ready for judgment? We've already talked about that. It's appointed for us to die once and then to face judgment. The only way we can be ready is to place our faith in Jesus who died once but was found worthy, who took our sins in his body on the cross so that he might put away sin because of his once for all sacrifice are you ready eagerly wait for him he's coming again he will appear a second time so let's be keen for that to happen I was speaking to my next door neighbour the other day and uh, about the floods and he said oh I just can't wait for Jesus to come again amen won't it be great Are you eagerly awaiting him? Rest in the finished work of Jesus. It's easier said than done. But he's finished his work, so you can rest in that. When we were talking about this passage in our sermon in scripture meeting, Warren said something which I really liked. He said, the completeness of what he has done is not changed by the imperfection of my own sinfulness. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. I make them. We all do things wrong. But we can rest in the completeness of what Christ has done because that is not changed by the imperfection of our own sinfulness. Patiently wait for Jesus amidst trials. He is waiting till his enemies are made subject to him. And so if we're going through trials, if we're wondering why there's spiritual warfare on earth and we wish we could get out of it, patiently wait. Persevere, don't give up. Because one day, all of Christ's enemies will be made a footstool for his feet. Don't give up. Find assurance in your new heart. And finally, let's practice repentance, not penance. Uh, Tim McManus in our um, sermon in scripture meeting, who, who brought up about verse 18 where there is forgiveness of these there is no longer any offering for sin and and he gave the illustration I thought it was a really good one you you know if you've had a fight with someone in your family with your spouse or one of your children or one of your parents when you've had a fight and and then 
you sort of make up with one another. You, you ask for forgiveness and forgiveness is given. You often still feel like you need to do something. <laughs> it still feels like there's maybe tension there. Um, and, and so, you know, if you're a bloke, maybe you go out and you buy a bunch of flowers for your wife. Even though she's said that she's forgiven you, you sort of feel like you need to do something more because you're still feeling guilty about what you did wrong. And it's like penance. I don't know if you remember a movie that was around about 30 years ago called The Mission. And it was a, a movie which detailed um, the, the Catholic um, sort of work in the, the tribal areas of, I can't even remember what country it is, but somewhere in South America. And there's this long scene in the movie of this guy who's a terrible sinner. I think he'd been a slave trader. And, and he's trying to overcome his sin by doing penance, by carrying a, a heavy load up this sort of waterfall that they're having to navigate to get to the village, the tribal village that they're going to. And it's, it's got this long, slow music as he goes step by step up the waterfall carrying this load and some of us are carrying heavy loads because we're feeling guilty for our sin and we're trying to do things and might be even trying to do things at church because we feel guilty and we feel that we must overcome that guilt and God wants to say to you, Jesus has done it all. Rest in his finished work. Seeing Jesus means resting in his finished work. Yes, we need to repent when we do things wrong. But accept the cleansing of the conscience that comes. That God says, I will remember your sins and your lawless deeds no more. And where there is forgiveness of sins, there's no longer any need for us to make an offering to try and overcome them because Jesus has already made that offering once for all. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so grateful for the work of Jesus. We thank you that in your sacrifice you were found worthy. That you've offered your sacrifice, your offering before God in heaven and that you are there now advocating on our behalf, interceding for us, waiting until all people will be made subject to you. Help us to trust in that. Help us to move forward this week, eagerly waiting for your second return, patiently waiting, finding assurance in the whispers of your word in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.